songs because there's this song I think by a guy named Dan Byrne maybe David Byrne but it wouldn't be the talking heads David Byrne but it's called Tiger Woods and uh, one of the lines is about this I mean one of the verses about this guy who when he was like 36 or whatever he was in a hotel in Rome one night and he got to go down on Madonna and then the rest of his life is garbage because where do you go from there he did it too young and too soon, and they had nothing left in his life to look forward to. He went down on Madonna too soon. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you could just find new life goals. I don't know. Because we're talking about our life goals again and not about the show, I guess we're talking about the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Kyle. This is the show that we keep doing because there's enough people that listen to it that it justifies us not completely giving up. Uh, which I'm always very, very close to giving up. So I appreciate you people listening. Oh, and we watch the Big Bang Theory and we talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I think to clarify from some people I've seen give feedback, uh, no, we don't like the show. That's what the show is about. If you're upset that we're not happy about the show, it's that's just the kind of show it is. And I'm happy with that. I'm yeah. happy being unhappy. And if it makes you unhappy, that makes me unhappy. Yeah. And so go and be ha- unhappy somewhere else. Yeah. Our goal is not to be mere entertainers. We are what Oscar oh. Wilde once called the critics as artists. And so... Our opinions will not be swayed by the masses. We seek merely to understand and, and provide the experience of understanding for others. I don't think we were at risk of that in the first place. I just wanted to make sure that people who are thinking this is like a Good Times fan cast don't have to get 20 minutes in before they're like, wait a second. Uh, but anyway, we should actually talk about the, the show itself. So today we watched Season 2, Episode 19. We're getting very close to the end of Season 2. And the name of today's episode was the dead hooker juxtaposition that is straight into the point <laughs> yes although speaking of people getting the wrong idea from the, if that was like the first episode of the big bang theory you ever watched and you found it through the tv guide you'd be like huh hey you know what we usually this is where i would usually do my quick summary of the episode and then we'd start getting into it but let's just throw all that away and instead let's write the dead hooker juxtaposition based off title alone <laughs> and see what see what we get, huh? Doesn't that sound like a good time? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, you'd have to start it in media res, right? You know, it's one Yeah, those... Wallowitz is on top of someone. He is violently shaking them. You can't tell if it's a real woman, though, or yeah. if it's one of his dolls that he has around. And in the background, uh, Leonard is just talking back and forth going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy mm-hmm. shit. Raj has a gun <laughs> under his own chin. Because he just doesn't know how to process any of this. He's he's come from a life of privilege, and in his home country, if he were to kill a hooker, there wouldn't be this much stress about it. Not not even close to it. Uh, but where where's our penny at? Yeah, that's a. Hmm. Is she the hooker? Is she off somewhere else? What's her alibi? Well, that's wherever Penny and Sheldon. Her alibi are. for not being dead. Yeah, wherever Penny. I I feel like we wouldn't. Yeah, we wouldn't disclose where Penny or Sheldon is. At the beginning of the episode. Then we'd cut back to like, you know, three hours earlier. Um, and this is where they are all in the lunchroom at the university. And they're speaking with Leslie Winkle, who's like, <laughs> oh, what no. really are morals anyway? I mean, I don't know why you guys are suddenly coming at me with all these questions about ethics. But really, when it gets down to it, uh, everything's relativistic because any one code can't be followed by everyone who lives. And where does that code come from anyway? It's ultimately all arbitrary. So... I mean, yeah, I guess you could justify murder on that ground, and then they just rush, run out, and Leslie Winkle is there confused and unhorned. I think oh, that's pretty good. We want to actually talk about the real show now. All right, we're going to talk about the real show. 
Um, so in today's episode, a new lady moves in. Uh, Sheldon freaks out when he hears that his above stairs neighbors are moving out because he had never met them and never heard them make a sound, and so they were the perfect oh, neighbors. I mean, this was this was. I remember this episode started out to a bad start, and it was just like, oh, this is going to be one of those episodes where just every joke is Sheldon can't let go of something. So that was really refreshing that they didn't go there. Yeah. Because, like, well, it's always a bad sign. Within the first two seconds of the episode, Wallowitz was hitting on Penny. So that was, yeah, like, I want to describe bad. this for a second, because I was literally counting in my head. I was like, how quickly can they lose me in this episode? And so the very first thing is is Sheldon's upset and they're like, Oh come on, it's not that bad and he's like, No, it's terrible. They steam my dumplings. Strike one. Yeah, that was that was awful. Then uh then uh Penny sits down. Penny sits down and Wallowitz immediately hits on her in some skeezy fashion that doesn't make sense. So that was strike two. And then right after that, Penny randomly goes, You Wallowitz? Not even with a thousand condoms that on. That was gross. Ah, I mean, <laughs> to which to which Wallowitz responds, "Oh, so there is a number of condoms I, which I, would allow me to have sex with you." So that's like four strikes in a row in like the first five. Like, imagine all of that. That was like five seconds of the episode. But to to talk about the condoms for one second, I think the problem I have with that joke specifically is that it it posits. 10,000 condoms, or is it 1,000 or 10,000? I think it, Maybe it was just 1,000. I think 1,000 condoms is an unfathomable number, as, so as to be ridiculous. But I took the time to fathom it, and I had to think about Wallowitz with a giant tower of slippery vinyl or plastic sheaths or whatever they are, like barreling down a hallway. And I mean, it's really my own fault for having such a vivid imagination, but I don't like that the show gave me the prompt. So anyway, that's how the episode starts. And then, um, yeah, but and then, uh, oh, yeah, and then so Penny's like, oh, by the way, the people upstairs are moving out, and they're like, no, God, no, no, I mean, it's literally, it's, it's just like, it's like that scene in the office where Michael sees Toby for the first time in a while. It's like, he, it's like, no, God, no, why, no, and, the, and she's like, what? And then it's just Sheldon being like freaking out. Have you ever heard about a lot of people wanting to fuck Toby? No, that can't be true. I think it's true. I've, I've, I've heard about people who are definitely into him. And you know, Toby. I, Toby. Maybe it's because he's so chill. He's always pretty smooth in his interactions. You know, he's he's never getting riled up. I'm more familiar with the the Toby is really the Scranton Strangler arguments. Have you heard about those? No. And this is as much as we should talk about the Office. <laughs> Welcome. We tricked you. This was actually an Office podcast the whole time. Also, we double tricked this... you. This is our 420 episode. Sorry, we're not <laughs> staying on track. <laughs> You're welcome, America. Yeah, the one time of year in which Nick and Kyle make a podcast the way everyone else makes all their podcasts. I went to the weed store. It was very crowded. I bought too much on accident because I wanted to leave quickly. But there was also free street corn outside. I got it. It wasn't very good. I ate half of it before I told myself, you don't have to do this just because it's free. Also, um, because I spent more than some amount of money, they're like, oh, hey, there's actually a van outside. You can go inside and you can just like get high for 20 minutes. And I said, not only do I have time to do that, but what I didn't say is that that sounds like a nightmare scenario to just be in a small enclosed space with a bunch of strangers getting more and more out of my gourd trying to make small talk. Like I would I would rather a sniper shoot me on either side of the throat. So I could just be terrified not knowing where the bullets are coming from and knowing that that flesh is just gone but with such precision that he keeps me alive 
So I just have to sit there with like little bits of flesh in a spinal column thinking about how happy I am that I'm not in that van. Just like the end of a trauma movie? Just like any part of a trauma movie. <laughs> so back to the episode. Um, the, the, a new neighbor does move in and uh, Leonard and uh, Sheldon welcome this person by going through all of their valuables to try to get a feel for who they are. And the person comes in and wouldn't you believe it? Woo, woo, wee, wow, wow. It's some hot, thin, blonde model person, yeah. actress. What are the odds? Yeah. And so um, the series basically resets. <laughs> yeah. because Leonard and all the other nerds are like, oh my God, I can't believe there's this babe here. We have to help her move now, in. Speaking of, this is, you often make reference to this episode of this show uh, that was briefly popular in the 90s, The Simpsons, where... Jesus um, Christ, Kyle, watch the show. Your, your life is worse off for not doing it. And the more that you rail against it, the more foolish and self-harmful you sound. Anyway, you talk about that one episode of the show where the guy visits from and is like the bowling alley above the bowling alley guy. Oh, yeah. Um, Rick Grimes. Yeah, no, you... no, no. Frank Grimes. Right. We've done this before. Yes. Anyway, this was sort of a Frank Grimes episode because this is this whole episode seems to only exist to like you know uh like raise meta commentary on on the entire setup of the big bang theory which you know what since we're apparently just going all weirdy goofy freeform anyway uh instead of finishing the self-summary uh here's what happens they don't like each other penny and the new hot girl because the hot girl takes advantage of them so they get into fight and then the episode ends now the reason i want to blast through that is because you just talked about the weird meta commentary that this episode is apparently doing regarding the relationship that penny has with the rest of the nerds but they never actually say anything about it every time someone comes up like is that exactly what you do with the nerds penny why is this lady any different than you She's helping that, like, she's making them feel good by hitting on them, and they're helping her move in. Isn't that the exact same relationship that you have with them, Penny? <laughs> and Penny's reaction is to go, it's different, and I'm going to hit you. <laughs> and that's as deep into it as they get. They say nothing more about it. Well, no, of course, because they don't, well, I think they try to offer the, basically, Penny isn't quite as, basically, Penny isn't quite as willing to, uh, sell herself completely for small like like the show offers a moralistic and very arbitrary standard of virtue in which uh in which it's basically okay to receive favors as long as you're really sincere about it that's true that you know but the second you formalize the quit if you're the second you become similar uh you become uh cynical enough to formalize it as a quid pro quo relationship it's immediately indecent but so this reminds me of just the other day i was talking with a friend who said that they uh started going to their therapist bi-weekly or semi-weekly sorry that they were going once a week and then they, they upped it to twice a week and no that is that is bi-weekly semi-weekly would be every other week semi means half so semi-weekly is each half of the week my brother bi-weekly means two every two weeks oh i've had those wrong my entire life i just did the nerdiest uh version of the Undertaker's tombstone pile driver imaginable, and I do not not feel proud of myself for it. No, because if it's... Oh, that's what you just said. Okay, never mind. Semi-monthly would be every... Semi-monthly is bi-weekly. More or less, yeah. There we go. Now we're, now we're on top of things. Uh, I spent so much time with that, I don't remember what I was talking about in the first place, Kyle, because we had that little debate. You're friend had to go see his therapist he started seeing his therapist twice a week and he was concerned because he's like you know i don't know how much i'm actually getting the extra help from it versus how much it's just um 
convenient that my therapist has the financial incentive for me to start seeing them twice a week. But then my response was, but if they're happy to, to have you because of the money or because they genuinely care, they're helping you either way, aren't they? Woof, there we go. I mean, that's kind of what's going on here is like, Penny can be as sincere as she wants and take advantage of them while this other lady realizes, recognizes that it's a very surface level transaction and it's the same outcome. So what do their motives matter? Like what, who gives a shit about their intentions? Well, I don't know, society in general, basically the entire construction of capitalism requires us to, uh, requires, because capitalism is inherently exploitative of the working class, it can only function so long as the illusion is maintained that there is some extra value being given to the worker besides his wages, such as dignity. Because if it were entirely revealed to be a wage relationship, then no one could ignore anymore the fact that no worker has ever paid his full value as a wage. But brother, that puts us in hot water. Ma'am, that's the second time I've called you brother. I'm never smoking weed again. <laughs> Apparently, I'm... De- I just thought in that one you meant like comrade because we were going so deep on the... By the end of this podcast, I'm going to be wrapped in a horse blanket and telling you why I should change my middle name to Jade. Um. Anyway, I, I, I think that there's an issue though here where if Penny does recognize that she's aware of that and she's aware of it enough that her relationship with them doesn't really change so much she just comes up and she's like hey i'm the sincere one therefore i'm the one that maintains this illusion that our relationship uh has mutual dignity about it she is nonetheless commodifying dignity <laughs> like she's she's just it's just another level away from what the other new nameless hot do we ever learn her name <laughs> they do say her name multiple times in the episode but this is not worth very, remembering very generic yes i think my other version of the same and this was actually made into a fun joke because um penny is you. penny is sitting uh fuming talking to sheldon who plays sort of the the person she can because of course he is completely not seduced by the new neighbor because he's incapable of that so he's just doing his normal routine and uh so penny is fuming with him through several parts of the episode at one point out of the blue uh she's complaining about uh everything and he turns to her and he goes you know i don't know if you're familiar with this phenomenon with bees but sometimes a new queen bee will move into the hive and the old queen bee must either uh, kill her or relocate to a new hive lest she lose all of her worker drones mm-hmm. and so I was like wow are they really just point like they're just this entire show has just become biological determinism the show huh oh Kyle well no I just mean I'm not saying you're wrong I'm just I'm just that, just, that was the me kind of like lamenting that you brought us there. I'm just this. So I'm like they're really just like going to say no. Everything in this show, all free will in this show is a joke, and it's just playing out this. Uh, this oh hey, you know what? Time number three, four technically, brother. All free will is a joke, man. Yes, but to raise it in this way to have Sheldon just be like, no, I understand. To I understand exactly what is going on and have the perfect biological metaphor for it. So it was weird. So that was weird that the show like said what was going on in those terms, but then it has a great payoff. It does have an excellent joke. Penny, it's like, well, how dare you? What are you even suggesting that I'm using Leonard and the rest of them, and that I'm jealous that I can't use them anymore because I'm threatened by this new, younger, prettier person? What are you saying I should do? Kill her? And and to which to which Sheldon responds, I was just talking about bees. What are you talking about? 
Yes, which is a real interaction I've seen happen with people at very low emotional intelligence before, is occasionally they I... will just go on about a special interest of theirs, and you'll be like, oh, I see how you're trying to relate this to this relationship, and they're like, nope. Hey, Kyle. Just like talking about cars. It's time for Nick, one of Nick Hyde's not quite oversharing personal life stories. Oh, okay, okay, wait. Nick's oversharing life stories. Ooh. We're doing Nick's oversharing life stories, but in like sort of a movie way. Yeah. Because it's 420 Nick's oversharing oh, life stories. Now we got went back, back that way with it. I once was in court during my public defender days, and I had a, a defendant who, I don't know, some sort of suspended license charge or something. Something that's really not that big of a deal, but there's a felony wrapped in there somewhere because we were in district court. And... When we were going through the plea deal, a big part of it was whether or not this person was going to get their license back and was going to be able to drive. And so I was explaining to the judge why they needed their license and what would happen if they didn't have it. And the the judge says, well, how did he get here today? And I said, well, Your Honor, you know, we all make a lot of decisions and sometimes they're not the wisest decisions, but we live with them. We take responsibility and that's exactly what my client is doing and so on and so forth. And the judge looked at me and he said, no. <laughs> literally how did he get to the courtroom today <laughs> and i was just like <laughs> we came here together your honor <laughs> i thought what i said was quite inspiring <laughs> that is actually adorable that... yeah just... that's the kind of lawyer i am <laughs> oh. that's like that's like, uh, who are you job. for the record? It's, wow, who am I? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really, I guess there's a lot of different ways to think about that. Yeah. So, as far as, uh, I don't know what you'd call, what did you call it? Not emotional intelligence, but the the, the but, awareness of social situations there. Yeah, I called it low emotional IQ. I, emotional, okay, you did. All right, yes. Don't have a lot of that, I guess. Anywho, um, back to the episode. I don't know. Like, this one... It had a couple good jokes in it, but overall, not that exciting. Wallowitz almost moves in. That was upsetting. Oh yeah, that is that is like how the opener ends. Is is Wallowitz is like, well, I don't, I just move in there, and it was funny because obviously the writers were like, for whatever reason, that was the only ending they could come up with. Uh, well, okay, I just figured out why, but I'm gonna finish what I was saying first. So basically. They go from, oh, the upstairs neighbors are moving out to Wallow. It's going, well, I could move in to cut to the opening theme. And we're like, oh, is the whole rest of the episode going to be about Wallow? It's moving in upstairs and living upstairs because that's going to be even more like drab and unbearable than usual. Mm-hmm. And then like literally 30 seconds into the main story, into like the main segment of the episode, <laughs> they like go to his door and he's like, oh, I'm fighting with my mom. Okay, she guilted me into staying. Okay, I'm staying now. And then they move on to the new neighbor thing. So I was like, why did any of that have to be in this episode? Well, none of it did have to be in this episode, Kyle, because it went nowhere. But while well, we are here. Hmm? I realized that it must raise. It's just like, I guess they wanted to make sure that everyone knew. No, they couldn't. What if in the beginning, the very opening scene, instead of anything that happened happening, instead... The, the show opens with uh, Leonard and Sheldon entering the lobby of their apartment and seeing a bunch of packages around. I feel like that communicates everything that the first 10 minutes of this episode had to had to do. Yeah, come to think of it. And then and then they could have even still done the whole bit about, uh, oh, no, someone's new is moving in Sheldon upstairs. Sheldon have a little meltdown right there in the lobby. And then he would have to talk with the woman who he ultimately does approve of. But we could go through the process of him being reassured after having his initial meltdown. Wow. 
<laughs> Look at that. Look, we're cutting the fat. <laughs> we just shaved a 22-minute episode down to like 19 and a half. And I also about Wallowitz's mom. So I want to know what your take is on this because the situation is that they go to um, all, all the nerds except for Wallowitz go to Wallowitz's house. They're on his front porch and they're going to start helping him move out um, and into Leonard and Sheldon's building. Um, but the exchange behind the door is is Wallowitz and his mom screaming at each other. Uh, and she's, he's saying, okay, fine. I'll just have to come back every night for dinner. And she's like, what do you think this is? A fancy hotel? You're not... And they keep going on and on like that. Now, was that really a dangerous psychic battle where both of them were being so passive aggressive that they did have to say literally the exact opposite of what they were meaning to get through the conversation. They were just like both had their heels dug in and they were going to go through whatever reiterated argument they had to get to the end of it as has played out however many number of times before this. Or is Wallowitz himself so low on the uh, emotional intelligence or so sociopathic that he he himself cannot comprehend that his mom really is saying, get out, you're almost 30, get out of here, I can't believe you still live here. Oh, that's so much of a downer. Well, so that's the way I interpreted it, but I think... No, is that, no, because she, well, you're right, I am, I am reading into, frankly, stereotypes of the overbearing mother. But, but she those seems, are baked in, you're not wrong to. But in all those other... Episodes. We never see his mom, but she always seems to uh, enjoy basically having him in a state of perpetual adolescence. I mean, sort of. She participates. I don't know if it's ever like pointed out that she enjoys it. Well, I guess the question is, I don't know what the other is. She is she more like I don't actually know of a good uh, like a healthy version of this dynamic. But the bad version of this dynamic is like Eric Cartman and his mom, right? Where she is literally just like trapped yeah. in an emotionally abusive cycle with her child did you hear about the guy who about a year ago now his parents he was like in his early 30s and he's still living with his parents and they sued him to evict him yes because he refused to leave i think maybe that's what's going on with wallowitz here like his mom is ready to file the paperwork and she's just been pushing and pushing for to get out she's not overbearing in the way that she wants to keep him on his knees she's overbearing in the way that she cannot believe that she has not been given the privilege of having empty nest syndrome. She has been waiting for a decade to turn his room into some sort of like gaming gaming style area where her friends can play bridge because that's a thing old people do, I bet. Well, thanks. Now, I guess we'll have to watch future episodes to be sure, but uh, now yeah. I'm horrified. All right, new segment. Well, what's mom watch? Wallace's mom was in this episode. We already talked about what happened. Next time this comes up, I'll do the you know stinger what? in front of it. What if what if Wallace's mom has been dead the whole time? Holy shit. Like, I mean, I was thinking the whole time where you were going with that. It's like, well, maybe Leonard is just standing behind the door doing... Uh, I'm sorry, Howard is standing behind the door doing both voices the whole time. Like yeah, Norman really, Bates you're really Norman Batesing it. Um, but that was like, well, no, but you've heard them have conversations with each other before. I'm like, yes, but you've never seen both of them in the same room. What if he pre-records all of her dialogue and hey. just plants speakers around the house and then just shouts what like he knows needs to be the response to all of those? Hey, Kyle. Yeah? Have you ever heard of someone giving themselves the, the stranger as a masturbation technique? Yes. I, I just thought of the new one. Uh, it's called Norman Masturbating, and it's you jerk off, but you pretend that you're doing it with your mom's hand. <laughs> that's it i like that you're welcome america 
I also bet there are people who would be into that. Absolutely. Like a, I bet there are people listening to this podcast right now who are like, I'm free! It lost! It lost, I know what my thing is! No, but I want to go back to the modern... I like the idea of a, a remake of... In spirit of... You couldn't remake... I mean, you could. People have done it. But I just mean like a movie that is like Psycho, but like Super 21st Century version where it's like, no, this dude has animatronically like smart rigged his whole house you know, mm-hmm. so that it's like the presence of his mother is there when people visit, but you never actually see her until he puts on the dress. And he can change the lights to different colors when he's ready to murder. Yeah, it's basically like, what if that scene in Home Alone where the kid, like, paint, like rigs up the people in the window so it looks like there are people there when the bandits drive by? What if it's just, what if Howard is for some reason doing that with his own mother? Like... She's not actually in that house. She's dead and she's buried under the floorboards. But he's yeah. got, you know, he's a mechanical he's, engineer of some brilliance. But he's maybe not that brilliant. And the only way he's getting by is by cashing that woman's social security checks. Oh, well, there you go. And now we have a motive. We should actually start wrapping up. I mean, we're getting pretty close <laughs> to finishing an excellent episode of The Big Bang Theory where we've got Wallowitz is Norman Bates and he may have strangled a hooker, but we're not clear on it yet. Um,. Well, but you never actually. So, at the end of the episode, they get in a girl fight. Did we talk about the girl fight? We didn't. Uh, what's there to say about the girl fight? I mean, it's well, just that. Oh, I guess it it starts because when. Uh, oh, well, so in, Penny confronts new hot lady. Yeah, and like confronts her in really like specific terms, and just in case like. It's not worth getting into. You're right. I'm not gonna waste time on. It. Anyway, she's like, she's like, I don't. Penny's like, I think you're using them. And whatever her name is, is like, what are you going to do about it, bitch? And it's just like, yeah, it's like intense. she drops, it's like the most confrontational. It's like, well, I guess, yeah, I guess we're fighting now. And they cut away and I was, I was like, you, you were sad there wasn't going to be a fight. And then you get to see a fight. Yeah. It wasn't actually a very good fight. Like, well, it was like a tickle fight, you know, which I, is even hornier than a real gonna, fight. I kind of thought what was going to happen is that because Penny's from Nebraska and this new girl appears to be like from SoCal You thought she was just going to stomp the shit out of her? <laughs> I did. I thought it was going to be like one of those fights on cops yeah. where the one girl just has her hands in the other girl's hair and is smashing her face against the floor. Penny drags her up the <laughs> stairs so she can drag her to an apartment and get her stomping boots ready. Be like, this is how I make waffles, bitch. And then just starts pounding on her face. Did kids get into fights in high school where you were? I mean, like, like was that? A, oh, yeah. I mean, because yeah. at my school, I went to a very large public school. In, just in that it was the whole county in one school. That is large. Um, And, yes, it wasn't like it was a semi-regular occurrence where it's just like, oh, no, these two people are having a full-on fight in the middle of the cafeteria or whatever. And I guess we're all just going to watch now. Yeah. Some of those girl fights, they were br- – it, I I would frankly rather fight a dude. He's not going to, like, rip at parts of my hair. One who's not resourceful won't. I have no dignity when it comes to battle. I will do anything. I will pierce my fingers through my opponent's eyeballs if necessary to survive. Just go full Ricky-O? I'll, I'll go any uh, martial artist-O. I'll combine all of their techniques into one when I poke my opponent's eyeballs out. We should really, really wrap up. Um, so, yeah, so they get into a fight. They get into a fight. The episode ends. Waka waka. Well, Penny has her face jacked up, and they're all friends again. Hooray. Yeah, but they never really expl- – I mean, of course, it's just an episode of Big Bang Theory, but they don't even go to go so far as to be like, oh, we realize we hate the girl upstairs. Literally never mention it. Although I guess it's just 
they're annoyed that they can hear her fucking up Oh, there. yeah. That was how that episode ended, wasn't it? The, episode the sound ends. of bed springs creaking up. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, we have to listen to the lady humping. And Shelton's like, oh, great. Now she's jumping on the bed because I don't understand sex. I was going to ask you for a second if you've ever had that experience of being way too close to two people. Or, but then I, I remembered who I was talking to, and the answer is probably, yes, let me tell you about the last two, I, four times. I think that's just a terrible part of being alive is that that happens. And it sucks because if it's the thing that like woke you up, you can't go to sleep because that's the noise. And so you just have to like lie there in bed miserable trying to pass out while you know that two people somewhere else are having way more fun than you are. It's terrible. It's the worst thing. Um, and it's the only thing that makes me feel alive. Now we're wrapping up for real. Okay. Uh, we have a Facebook account. Go check it out. We have a Twitter, BB Theory Squared. Moving on. Uh, it's time for our adorable nerd thing. Kyle, I'm gonna. Admit, I'm a bit of, a bit of a loss. I'm gonna have to pull something out of my ass for this week. But do you have something ready? Yeah, I'll go ahead and stall for you. Please do. Um, not really happy, but it is sort of in keeping with uh, with the themes of this episode, I guess. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm watching Nick try to pull himself back onto the couch, and it's like watching like a half dead crab. Like try to. Well, my entire right leg fell asleep, and so I was I was dragging a lot of dead weight with me. <laughs> it was just the funniest thing. Anyway, um, this weekend Gene Wolf died, and uh, there was a big. I don't know who that is. No, of course you don't, Nick. It's uh, he was a uh, a science fiction and fantasy author, although a lot of his work sort of defied that classification. Um, you know, basically he wrote in work that was sort of like its own weird genre but is looped in with fantasy and science fiction because it has robots and stuff anyway he wrote i feel a little weird recommending him or talking about him because i only ever read half of his magnum opus it's this four volume saga called the book of the long sun and it you know it's really just one long novel and i only ever finished half of it so i feel like i'm a little bit like recommending i don't know like herman melville on the basis of the first half of moby dick but it really was um you know he wrote these beautiful science uh these beautiful sort of labyrinthine stories that were basically like reading a dreamscape it was like here is uh here is a world where as you're reading about what's happening everything makes perfect emotional and logical sense and then you put the book down and you realize wait i don't know what half of the words meant in that (laughs) or the you know or what or what those relationships were to people and each other so it's a really uh it's books are hard and uh, strange and hard to comprehend but it is a real experience and he is recommended by several of you know uh the he is considered by many people to be one of the most esteemed uh right genre writers of his time neil gaiman i think called the book of the long sun like the greatest science fiction novel of the 20th century um, oh, if that dreamy guy says it it must be true so yeah rest in peace gene wolf you don't make much sense either. And so do you have a specific work you want to recommend, or is it the one you already mentioned? No, I mean, like I said, uh, if you find the idea of reading like a 2,000-word weirdo uh, adventure kind of daunting, then you can always read his short stories, which I'm told are phenomenal. All right. Well, go check out them short stories then. Um, as for me, I'm going to cheat and recommend something I haven't played in a while, but uh, I think it's worth recommending anyway. One of my favorite games ever made, uh, that being Bayonetta. Oh, I get excited just thinking about it. It's a fantastic game. No way have you not recommended. Can we check the tape? No way have you not recommended Bayonetta. I don't on this think I've ever before. played any Bayonetta during the recording of this show. 
this is like this is like the fourth every fourth conversation with Nick Hyde in real life is like, well, this reminds me of the scene in Bayonetta. It's such a good game, and that is not true. Not unless someone is kicking bullets out of their high heel guns, in which case, of course, I'm going to talk about Bayonetta. It would be absurd not to in that situation. Um, and so, for people to know what Bayonetta is, you're a witch who's uh, wearing a skin tight leather outfit that is actually your own hair. And when you cast spells, you have to use your magical hair. And so then you don't have enough power to also have your skin tight suit on. And so you're a naked witch that casts spells. Also, you've got guns on your hands and your feet. And so you can go pew pew with your wrists or pew pew with your ankles. Uh, and you don't just have your pew pew guns. You also get like shotguns and rocket launchers. Uh, I think the rocket launcher's name is Lieutenant Sergeant Kilgore, and I love it. Um, but it's just like the best goddamned action game there is. Like it's over the top in every imaginable way. Like the violence is disgusting. That it's 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 never openly sexual. It's like just a lot of over the top innuendo. Um, but Bayonetta is basically like a combat stripper. Like she <laughs> she has moved like one of her moves, which. I think almost has no real purpose in combat, but is cool, is that if you hold both the trigger buttons, I think, she will start basically sliding around and breakdancing on her back, shooting randomly as she spins around, and then ends it with a seductive like seductive pose as the, the screen does, does the, the camera shutter effect on her. Um, and then she murders everything, and it's fantastic. And if I sound like a weird creep in the way that I'm describing this game, then so be it. Because that's the kind of game it is. It's it's filth. It's delightful B-movie uh, wonderful filth. And I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, I owned the first one in every different possible format you could own it because I wanted to be able to play it on any system I could. Um, being at a 2 is, I hate to say, like more of the same. It has some improvements to it. I can't quite say why, but I do prefer the first one. Bayonetta 3 is supposed to come out at the end of the year. I mistakenly thought it was going to come out at the end of last year. And boy, maybe that's why 2019 is butt. Um, but anyway, yeah. Bayonetta 1. And, you know, if you're down for it, Bayonetta 2. I highly recommend those games. I, I swear I haven't brought it up on the episode on the show before. It feels unnatural, but... No, I would have noticed if you had talked this long. If you had gone on that long a conversation about Bayonetta at some point previously, I would definitely remember it. You know Bayonetta 2 has a two-player mode? We can totally like smash some shit together right now. And because I have it on the Switch, um, well, it was only ever on Nintendo Systems. You can get a Bayonetta that has giant Bowser claws and uses a chain chomp. Or yes, because can... I've played Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2 at your recommendation. Oh, well, look at you! Oh. I, found, I like Bayonetta 2... A little bit more, but only because the combat was so fucking hard in Bayonetta One, and they and they made it a little bit easier in Bayonetta Two. So by the time oh. I survived through Bayonetta One, I was like, Bayonetta Two is perfectly balanced for my dumb hands. I'm just so good at it that I don't think about how hard it is anymore. But know. you're right. It's strangely the plot of Bayonetta Two is slightly worse because it makes slightly more sense. It's like yeah. they should have stuck with the level of nonsense in level one where they were all like nodding seriously like, ah, yes, obviously the world is imperiled and what we're saying actually means words. You know, I, I think about some of my favorite things. I think about Bayonetta. I think about Return of the Living Dead. Um, and then I think maybe my favorite genre of anything is dumb, horny nonsense. I think if it's horny and it's stupid, I'm probably going to like it. Yes. But it has to be done well. That's important. And it's difficult to define, but it's, there's a standard out there, goddammit.